This is the Missing Pieces Podcast. My name is Jamie Richards, the author of the book Missing Pieces, 52 Vital Lessons Our Kids Should Be Learning in School But Aren't. Today, I will be talking to Atosh again, getting an update on the 37.8 Latitude School, what's going on with their process to make that school a reality. And then we're going to talk about an assignment that I gave twice with mixed results. If you could research anything in the world, what would you spend your time researching? That's coming up. Note on today's podcast, it's pretty much a deep dive into the whole charter school movement and how it, what it takes to start a charter school, which may not be everybody's cup of tea, but I still think it's important to pay attention because charter schools, more than our regular schools that have been there forever and ever, are taking a very serious look as to why they exist. What's their purpose? What's the point of that school? And maybe if we all did it, no matter what school we were at, took a look at those things, we'd be better off. So stick with it. I think it's important that we look at this movement, especially Atasha's. I love his charter school idea, which is to use the city of Oakland as the classroom and infuse project-based learning into the curriculum. I caught Atosh after a long day of recruiting not recruiting athletes, but recruiting students to attend his Latitude School. We'll find out how that went. Here we go. All right, well, let's get going. I wanted to first okay. talk about the update. Last time we talked, mm-hmm. you hadn't yet yeah. presented to the school board your final proposal, and they hadn't voted yet, and we thought you were not going to get voted unfavorably and that's what happened but it was still kind of a surprise Mm -hmm. yeah and we had a 15 out of 15 recommendation right you you heard the the um charter office person kind of give her uh give her statement and her recommendation right no no what does that mean the 15 15 out of 15 yeah well so before after we submitted our charter the first time Um, We had to do a series of capacity interviews. I think I mentioned a little bit about this before, but we had to do a series of capacity interviews with an office within the district that manages all the charters. I forget what the full title is, but they're they're unofficially the charter office within the district. And what they're in charge of is reviewing our actual charter, uh, conducting interviews with us, and then making an official recommendation across a series of categories to the board on whether or not it's a sound educational program and if staff has the capacity to implement that program and whether basically they think that they should approve the charter or not. So the charter office reviewed our charter, did the interviews, and then told the board that Latitude is um, a solid program in 15 out of the 15 official categories and we think that you should approve them. And so she she wrote that report, gave it to the board. She came, she spoke um, during the meeting and and delivered it in person during that meeting. 
And still, the board, um, five to one, I think, denied the charter. Yeah, I was so frustrated by that. <laughs> and I didn't realize that they had given you this really strong recommendation, this 15 out of 15. And they mm -hmm. still turned it down, which is crazy. Um, yeah, like we were saying yeah. afterwards, that uh, it's just the status quo thing that makes me crazy. I mean, the, and all there are two things. I guess that just kind of voting the status quo is what Oakland school, uh, board members did. Uh, just like, yeah, we're going to reject all charters. And it's almost like, when you make a decision to to totally support something or totally not support something without looking at the individual uh, situation, that just really yeah. bothers me because you know I can see how you could have a stance for or against charter schools in general, but uh, when you just blindly accept something or reject something, oh, it's a charter school we're against it or a charter school we're for it. It's wrong. It's just like treating people that way that you blindly accept yeah. certain types of people or instead of listening to the individual situation. I just thought your, your case was so strong that you presented that there was no way that they could turn it down and explain this too, because I, I think people need to know that it's eventually going to be approved because you meet all the requirements. They can't not somehow have the school, correct? I don't know if there are any guarantees like that. Oh. Okay. Is that, well, I mean, I just know that we are, you know, the next step for us is that we make an appeal to Alameda County. And we just nailed down our date for that, actually, December 12th. We're going to be presenting in Hayward to the county. And the county board will make a vote. And hopefully, you know, that'll be less political and and um, more based on the merits of our program, right? But I mean, there's always a chance that we'll get we'd get denied at the county level, in which case we appealed that to the state, and we're still kind of figuring out what that process entails. I'm not really sure how that what that looks like, but you know. It, with a solid program, I'm pretty sure the the odds are in our favor in terms of that. I don't know if there's any guarantees like that, though. Okay. I, I thought there was some something that said if you meet all requirements, whatever those requirements were, that it just has to happen. But it's not a slam dunk. They still have to actually decide Yeah. at the county yeah. level. And that's soon, December 12th. It's just a couple of weeks. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's not a slam dunk that that's going to happen. But you yep. feel like the chances are better at the county level than at the, I guess, the district level. Yeah, the chances are higher, but, you know, it's, who knows. We're still going to try and show up with as many people as we can. Do it again. Yes. County offices in Hayward. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, hopefully, hopefully this next time. But yeah, yeah, I was just so frustrated by by the meeting because I felt like you guys did such a great job of presenting two different times. You had all this backup, but it was like they had already made up their minds to begin with. No more charter schools in Oakland, and mm -hmm. I feel like no matter what you did, which is so frustrating, uh, how great your proposal was, and no matter what you said, they were still going to reject it. Which again is let's stick to the status quo and. 
because you spoke to that a little bit when you gave your statement, right? Yeah. Um, as a public, as a district school teacher, you have not always been uh, necessarily a big fan of charter schools, right? But you have, you have, you you appreciate the value they bring, and I mean, what can you can you just rem- remind me just the the way you framed it that day in terms of charter schools and your view on them? Yeah, generally speaking, us public school teachers kind of yeah. are against it, right? Our unions yeah, are against it yeah. because it takes students from an existing school, takes them out, and puts them somewhere else. So automatically that's saying, oh, your school's not good enough. So we're going to mm-hmm. take students away from you and put you in another place. So just that sort of overall, uh, we're not meeting the standard, so you're going to leave and go somewhere else. And then, of course, every time a student leaves, it takes money out of our school and sends it somewhere else. And right. since we're all hurting for money to begin with, is it's like, okay, in general, if you're a strong supporter of public schools, you feel like, okay, uh, we're good. Why why you need this new school? Why do you need something mm-hmm. different? But then when you look at things individually you see that some charter schools are amazing successes and some aren't. We had a situation in Fremont with a charter school that turned out to be really bad. It was very poorly managed. The kids weren't meeting all kinds of standards and it got all kinds of negative publicity. Well, when that kind of thing happens and people just sort of blanketly say, okay, charter schools are bad based on what they know, which again is, mm-hmm. you know, at a broader a way of looking at things. It's just so wrong to look at certain situations and your own personal experiences and and just say, okay, they're, they're all good or they're all bad based on what happens with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I feel like you always need to have an open mind and look at what each individual situation is. And charter schools are so broad and so different that you can't just say I'm in favor of them or I'm against them. You right. have to look at each one of them. So, Right. That was my frustration because I feel like going into the meeting, they were just saying that we're against charter schools and we don't want any more because they're pulling away from from our existing schools. But that was my other problem. And the longer I teach, the more I, I feel this way is that they're rejecting something that might make it better for certain students, whereas the status quo right now, it's obviously not working for all kids, especially mm-hmm. in Oakland where the graduation rate is especially low. Uh, mm-hmm. But even in a district like Fremont where most kids graduate, there's always room for improvement. You know, that Kaizen thing, you can always get better. Mm-hmm. And I felt like they weren't doing that and saying, okay, how can we get better as a district? It was almost like they were defending their turf and saying, oh, our schools are, are fine the way they are. And, why do we need another charter school taking our students away instead of saying our district is in need of improvement? You know, we're doing really good things, but we can always get better, and here's a way to do that. And as you guys were pushing, you didn't want to be like this separate entity working independently like lone wolves. You wanted to work within the district and be part of it and serve the kids of Oakland, but just in a different way, a very small number of kids compared mm-hmm. to the entire district that saw your way of teaching with project-based learning and using the city as your classroom 
was something that really appealed to them. And, and yeah, it's just, to me, it was just like, obviously just to prove this, it's like crazy, but they, they just seem so sure of the fact that we're not going to approve any more charter schools, no matter how fantastic they seem. That's, that was the feeling I got when I left that. Night. Yeah. Yeah. So and that's, yeah. And it's, yeah, I think that's probably the, the big thing. And it's not actually legal for the, for, you know, that it's, it's just, I think, wrong to be thinking that way, but it's also not legal, I guess, from what I, from what I'm hearing about charter school law is that they are supposed to look at each application on its individual merits and not make judgments based on any blanket decisions around charter schools. But they seem to get away with that, with the way they, they frame their arguments and things like that. And, but yeah, to your point, you know, it's, it really depends on the individual charter school and the law itself supports that. So I'm still trying to understand how things don't work out that way. Fight's oh, still well. going on. Yeah. Next yeah. time we do this, hopefully we got good news. You are listening to the Missing Pieces podcast, where we explore what we most need to be teaching our students during those precious moments when they're in our classroom. On this episode, as we often do, I'm talking with Atash Parikh, one of the founders of the 378 Latitude School in Oakland, California. Atash used to be my student, but now I feel like it's the other way around. I go to him for advice often, and I need to bounce an idea off him today. I've been working with my students to try to get them to consider their purpose and what really interests them. And I've been having trouble, so I tried something new. I'm gonna ask Atash about it. Stay with us. All right, let's move on to the next thing. I had to tell you about this, and I purposely didn't want to talk to you about it before because I just wanted to see how you were going to react. I'm a big fan of the management consultant psychologist. I think he is uh, Dan Pink, who mm-hmm. talks to corporations all the time. But I think a lot of times when they're talking about what works with employees and companies, I draw a lot of parallels to students in schools. And he was the thing that I first heard him talk about was motivation, getting past mm-hmm. the most basic motivation of sort of carrot and stick. If you do something well, we'll give you a reward. And if you do something poorly, we'll give you a punishment, which is kind of the way public schools are. You get good grades for your reward or bad grades for your punishment and so on. And he was saying in his lecture that there is so much more to it than just that kind of stuff. The same sort of motivation that works for animals doesn't necessarily always work for human beings. And he says there's three other things, autonomy, mastery, and purpose. These are like higher level motivations. And I don't want to talk about mastery and purpose, but I do want to talk about autonomy, which is independence, giving people choices of what they do at work instead of just 
say you must do this a certain way, but giving them some freedom and I can relate to it a lot as a teacher where I don't have a whole lot of autonomy sometimes to teach exactly the way I want. Even my own classroom, I can't make it the way I want. It has to be conformed to certain standards. and It's frustrating, so I totally get that. But then when you look at the way students learn or are supposed to learn, they don't have hardly any autonomy, especially at the high school level. I mean, maybe a little more at college, but when you get to choose courses. But in high school, there's so many required classes, and even the the classes that they supposedly take as a, an elective, like an AP class, the curriculum's all set. So they don't have a real lot of autonomy in what they choose to learn. It's like, okay, you have to take these classes and this is what we're going to teach you. So anyway, that was a, a long way of saying that I just decided I wanted to see what would happen if I just kind of gave my students some autonomy as to what they want to learn. And I started out extremely broad. So I I brought them to the library a couple of weeks ago, and now I did it again today, where I said, okay, I'm going to give you an assignment where I want you to do some research on this very specific thing, right? So the first time it was on the, uh, the latest Nobel Peace Prize winner, or Nobel, Nobel Prize in Economics winner. Just learn about him. His name is Richard Thaler, and find out about him. On one side of your paper, just do research on him. What do you what do you know about him after you you did that? On the second side of the paper, I want you to just research anything you want. What interests you? What most interests you? Just whatever. I gave him a couple things. No porn, you know, no crazy stuff, you know, just have some common sense, but just think about what interests you and just start doing a deep dive. Find out as much as you can and 15, 20, 30 minutes, however long it takes, how much time you have, and, and let's see what you come up with. But you decide. Before I tell you some of the topics, I want to give you a, another thing that factor that led into me choosing to do this, and that was there's a boxer named Canelo Alvarez. He's a middleweight. I was watching a special about him, and he has a tattoo that says, no boxing, no life. And I love that because that was his thing. You know, it's his thing in life is boxing. It's obviously something that is his entire reason for being at this point. You know, he grew up learning boxing and he studied boxing and now he's a professional boxer and it's given him everything. It's made him famous and wealthy and uh, this is his way of living. So anyway, no boxing, no life. So I thought, oh, that's so cool. Uh, what if you, my students, were to get a tattoo? No blank, no life. You obviously not going to say boxing for the most part, but what would that be? And the answers I got were just not very good. <laughs> just crazy stuff like um, no pizza, no life, or no sleep, no life. You know those kind of things. And, and even the ones that had kind of answers, it was so broad and vague. You know, there were it wasn't kind of what I was looking for, like no friends, no life, which is not a bad answer, but it was like that's not where I was headed, or uh, no music, no life. It's like okay, you know, things like oh, I like these things, so if I didn't have them, what I was trying to get at is the kind of things we've talked about before. Uh, something that you can work at, like boxing. You know, what's your passion? What's the thing that you want to work at and get better and improve on? And 
but they, mm-hmm. they don't have, so many of my students don't have any idea what that is yet, that idea of the thing that you can work at, the thing that you can uh, have success and failure in, and, and it's just part of who you are. And, and it's like, how do you not have this at the age of 17 years old or 18 years old? You're about to graduate. You don't have anything that really interests you, excites you. For me, like in high school, it would have been simple. It would have been no basketball, no life. And now it might be no teaching, no life, or no writing, no life, or, you know, these things that I work at. They weren't getting that. And a lot of it is that they just don't really know what they're interested in yet because so much of their time in school has been learning other people's stuff, right? They show up to class. The teacher said, here's what you're going to learn. So they don't have a chance to really think about what am I interested in. Do you know anything about the comedian Hassan Minaj? Yeah, well, I watched his Netflix uh, special, Homecoming. Oh, great! Oh, King, great! I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I love it, Homecoming King. So, yeah, a lot of what he talks about in that, I think, our students, my students, can can relate to. Definitely. Yeah, so he was talking about he was visiting his girlfriend, and her parents asked him. You know, what are your dreams? What are you interested in? And he has this blank look on his face, which, you know, is hilarious. Like, <laughs> no one's yeah. ever asked me, you know, what I'm actually interested in before. And he's in high school, junior or senior in high school. And he's like, uh, I don't know, guitar or something. And they go, you should go for that. You should learn that. Uh, try it out. And he's like shocked. And I think like a lot of my students are like that. You know, what do you like? What do you, what are your dreams? And they're like, I don't know, you know, I just, I'm doing school, I'm going to school, I'm learning these things that the teachers are telling me. So, again, that's a, a long way of getting to the point of why I wanted to do this, and mm-hmm. I was just so curious to see if you could just choose anything you want to research, what would that be? What would you want to learn about, just for the sake of learning? And I'm hoping that eventually they'll start thinking of things that they're interested in that might be lead into something that, okay, now I can start working at this. So, okay. So anyway, here it is. I want to share just a few of the ones they took to show how they're like all over the place. So ramen, like the soup. Okay. <laughs> Minimalistic photography. This was like crazy, right? Tooth enamel, degradation, and restoration. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> Big data, machine learning, giraffes, unicycles, peaches, turtles, black <sighs> blackjack, the national ice skating championships, the day of the dead, yarn, fountain pens, NFL protests, clowns, in and out burger, architecture. You know, I could go on and on, but they were like all over the place. There were very few yeah. repetitions. Um, so I got a lot of those the first time. So the second time, I, I mean, I got a lot of those things that were cool. And, and so the second time, I, the one thing that I didn't ask them to do on their paper was to write down why they chose whatever it is they chose. They just kind of did it. It's like, and, and some of them, it's just like that habit of just kind of doing school. I could tell what they were doing. That's what I asked them to do. So they didn't really research the topic very much. 
they just kind of wrote down what they already knew about it. And so it was really obvious. The most, the best example of that was this one kid that plays on the water polo team, researched water polo. And in his notes, he was saying how many players are on the team and things like that. <laughs> it's like, I think, you, I think you already knew that, right? So that's, yeah. that's not what I wanted you to do. The whole point is if you're going to pick water polo because that's something you really care about, learn something new, spend some time finding something out about it that, that's fun and interesting and exciting because you want to learn about it. Not, But there's still a lot of them that were just writing down stuff to get the points. Oh, look at I did the research, Mr. Richards, and here's my paper with some proof that I actually looked it up, which I said, I don't even know if you did look it up based on this because I think you already knew this stuff. So this time right. I said, why did you pick the topic before you even started? So there are two I wanted to share with you. One was uh, Italian food. The kid says, Italian food. Okay, why? Because last night I ate Italian food and I don't eat it very often and I was interested in it. It's like, oh, that's kind of what I want you to do. It was like just very pure, right? And then another person said baby blankets or security blankets. And the reason she chose it was, I'm researching baby blankets because I love mine and I'm going to bring it to college. I want to know if it's socially acceptable. LOL. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay, so I think this is like in its infancy, this is sort of assignment. It's like, but it's a start. At least they're thinking about things they might be interested in. But it's, mm-hmm. but what I'm trying to do, and maybe this is wrong, that's so why I want your opinion on it. Because I'm kind of thinking, I, I want you to start thinking of things you're interested in that can be hobbies, passions, maybe even something you want to do career-wise. Like the one kid that said tooth enamel degradation and restoration. Maybe that kid's going to be a dentist. (laughs) You know, so (laughs) I don't know how sincere the person was or whatever. If you have a real interest in that, I think you should be a dentist, right? Right, But But if you're interested in ramen or giraffes, or unicycles, or turtles, or, or blackjack. I don't. I don't know. It's, right. You know, but at least they're thinking about what they're interested in. So, what would you have said? Maybe in high school, and then maybe now, if I gave you the assignment, you get you get a half an hour in the library to research anything you want. I probably would have picked Apple, the company. Um, I was already. I was already watching all their keynotes when they would announce pro- uh, different products and probably would have just dug deeper into the history of its founding. I was, I've always been obsessed with Steve Jobs and, you know, probably would have just like dug deeper. I'm always, every time I find a new book, this is, this has been the case for me over the past 10 years. Every time I find a new book with some new angle on Apple's founding or history, I always try to get a copy yeah. So I probably would have just used that chance to do even more digging into that. Yeah. And that's kind of what I was hoping that they, you know, they yeah. would do that. And I think it worked. You know, I always tend to be frustrated with the ones that aren't doing it right. You know, yeah. I don't know if there's a word like, is it right? But it's like, like yeah, the ones that weren't really doing the assignment, they just get something down to fill up the paper and you didn't learn anything by that or picking just 
these crazy topics. I mean, today kids pick things like marijuana, vaping, LSD, and I don't know if it's to be funny or if they really have an interest in it, but, you know, kids be kids. But that's part of the, the deal with teaching, though, and when you want to give kids autonomy, you know, you're letting them make decisions, and sometimes they're not the decisions you want them to make, so that's frustrating. And I, yeah, and I have this conversation, I've had, I've had it a few times uh, with, with my team because High Tech High has struggled with this, you know, High Tech, I, so a couple of things about um, uh, what I've learned from some spending time at High Tech High is, I think one of the reasons it's such a successful school is because they really nailed those three Dan Pink um, concepts, the autonomy, mastery, and purpose, but I think really, especially for staff, so staff, and I think you would you would love working there because you basically have total freedom to craft a project for students around your own passions. And there's no, they don't try and align one teacher to the other in terms of curriculum, right? You really get to craft your own projects and your own curriculum. And you're, you're encouraged, in fact, to do it based on your own interests and passions. And this is as a teacher I'm speaking. And I think that leads to a lot of really happy and and passionate teachers that and it translates to the students, right? Um, when it comes to autonomy for the students, though, I, I think a lot of those classes are still very much led by teachers until their senior year when students get the chance to do a senior capstone project before they graduate. And um, similar to, to students at uh, mission right it's for the first time their senior year they're they're being asked to to say what they're passionate about and to design a project based on that and and naturally the quality really varies right we you have like some kids who know what they're passionate about um, and can answer that really quickly and do a really awesome complex project and other kids struggle for an entire semester to even decide what to do a project on I'm going to be thinking a lot about that as I work with ninth graders next next year. Is like, yeah, I want them all to early. do. Yeah, how do you start early? Like, I want them to do really high quality stuff, but then I want them to start thinking about. Uh, yeah, it's probably not even fair. You know, I have seniors that have been told what to do for twelve years, kindergarten through grade eleven, for the most part. They don't get a lot of classes that, or any that just give them independence to choose what you want to learn and how it, it seems like there used to be more electives, but even now mm -hmm. I feel like the electives kids take, they're not taking them because they have a real interest in it. It's like, Oh, this elective will look better on the college application. Right. And course, so I'm yeah. going to take it for that. And it's not like, Oh, I, I have, you know, I'm strongly interested in this. And, and obviously too, the, the number of electives is, diminished completely i mean when i was going to school in the 70s there was so many choices that you had in high school mm. and now it's just very very few it's just so programmed and so i don't know i guess it's a start with at least i'm getting thinking about it and what you're interested yeah. in. yeah and the other thing was yeah i never asked you you got your opinion was maybe i'm being too hard on them for just is anything wrong with just interest for the sake of interest? I just want to learn about it. I mean, that's a good thing, right? It doesn't have to turn into a, a career or uh, something you're going to spend your whole life doing. But, you know, right now I just want to learn about ramen. You know, it's like 
okay, cool, go learn about ramen and take some mm-hmm. time to to learn that versus you can't learn that because even though you're interested, you should learn this. And so I'm probably not even thinking, I, I want them to be autonomous, but it's like be autonomous in the right way. Right, right. I don't know. I mean, Robin, I think any topic can be can be endlessly fascinating. Yeah, um, that's the whole idea. I, like deep dive, just keep finding yeah. everything you could possibly learn about ramen. That's cool. Just learning yeah. for the sake of learning, not just for some. Yeah. But I guess my reward. question would be: Are you are you genuinely passionate about that, or passionate about learning about ramen, or did you just choose ramen because you had it for breakfast this morning, right? Yeah. And yeah. you couldn't think of anything else. So I mean. Yeah, got to get better at that. I just, yeah, one of the, I guess that's the next step is really thinking about what you choose. It's that opportunity cost. You can research anything, and you chose that over everything else. Do you feel yeah. comfortable with that decision now? And <laughs> it's like you could, you could have spent that twenty minutes learning something else, but you chose that, and so mm-hmm. I don't know. So, so you've done it. Progress. You've done it twice. Done it no. twice. Done it twice. Okay. What would you suggest for the third time? Anything different than what I've already told uh. you? I think I've told you everything huh. I've done. What about like priming them before they they have those thirty minutes with something that you know those like those psychology experiments where they just like flash a bunch of uh, images in front of you and you have to like like vote yes or no. Not like that, but I just this idea of like exposing them to a bunch of things maybe a bunch of potential uh places they could chop a bunch of topics that they could choose potentially across a bunch of different categories yeah that might be more like legit i don't know if that's the right word i don't know i don't know because then they might just pick one of those that you yeah right so but if i really made a big that's good though if i gave them a lot of like these are the kinds of things and and that might be interesting, but you do not have to kind of drill that in. You doesn't have to pick one of these. In fact, I prefer you don't because mm. so often they'll just kind of fall into the pattern of, yeah. And again, it's, did I tell you about the, did I tell you about the Barnes and Noble activity that I did with uh, the 12th graders last year? Yeah. Yeah. I think we talked about it on the pods. You just took them into the bookstore and they, it's kind of the same thing that I'm doing, right? Yeah. Just yeah, a little exactly. more limited by the books that were there, but still a huge choice, and they just naturally grab it. I like yours better because they actually had to go to a an actual book that was there that would have been interesting. There wasn't an easy way to get out of it, I guess. See, mm. mine, there's an easy way to get out. You just pick something you already know and just jot some stuff down. I guess they could have picked a book they already know or something. That would be silly, though. That, but where you naturally have an interest. Oh, did you go to the sport, yeah. sports books, which I would have probably gone to? Or did you go to the uh, the young adult novels or whatever? It chills so much about you. So, yeah, I love that assignment. Maybe that's... And I think, yeah, and I think the other thing there is that they're picking from kind of a, a wide array of things that's in front of them as opposed to having to pull it out of their head yeah. from from a blank slate. I like that. Maybe that's what I'll do the next time. I'll have do a just find a book in here about anything. I don't know. But they still do it. They'll just grab a book and say, I'm done. I did it. Now I can work on my other homework. It's an ongoing Well battle. let me know. That's I think that's awesome. I think that's awesome that you're that you're doing that. So I'm curious to hear. I'll keep All working right, on it. Alright, I'm gonna let you go because you've had a long day. No worries. It's good to good to catch up. 
All right, that's going to do it for this episode in the ongoing battle of filling in the missing pieces, teaching kids what they most need to know. The thing is, I don't think they have any idea what they need to know. One of my favorite podcasts, Jalen and Jacoby, their theme is giving the people what they want and what they need. There's such a difference between those two, especially when it comes to students. Giving them what they want is entirely different from giving them what they need. Doesn't it seem obvious that students, kids, would know that they should be looking for things that interest them? But I don't think they do. Oh well. Like I said to Atosh, I'll keep searching, keep trying to teach students what they most need to know. And you do the same. Thank you so much for listening to the Missing Pieces podcast. Please help us spread the word. Let people know we're here. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. But more importantly, keep working with your children and with your students. We need to help them get better because more than ever before, the world needs them and the world needs you.